0: This time we'll turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 will also be our text for this afternoon. Psalm 1, beginning at verse 1, never read God's word. Blessed is the man... but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So far reading of God's holy word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of you children, how many of you read books? I know some children like reading books. Some children don't like reading books. or some children, it's a, it's a chore. But let me just uh, try and encourage you to, if you don't like reading books, try to make it at least a habit of, of reading some books. These books are there to help you to learn all kinds of things and if you want to explore the world and you want to learn about things in the world, the way to do that is by reading books. Think about the last novel or the last story that you might have read. Think about the kind of people that were in that story. And I'm pretty sure that... Most likely that the last story you read, it was a story in which there were good people and there were also some bad people. Maybe it was a detective novel or story that you were reading. Well, the detective was was the good person in that story. He was the hero. And if you're reading a child's detective story, it's probably just a, a young boy or girl who is that detective, and they set out to find the the evil person who has done uh, something horrible. And you keep reading, and of course you want to finish the story because you want to know what goes on, what's going to happen in the end, but you know that all these stories, they they all end with the hero solving the mystery, and the bad person is caught and usually goes to jail. Well, you know, that kind of a a story shows us the kind of things that happen in this world. There are good people, and there are bad people, people who hurt other people. Well, you know, in the real world, the good person doesn't always win like they do in these novels and these stories. In the real world, it often happens that the bad people also win. And so a very important question for us this afternoon is this question. Who are good people in this world and who are the bad people in this world? The Bible constantly speaks about good and about bad. It talks about good people as righteous people and about bad people as wicked people. Well, the book of Psalms... Starts with a song, that is, you can say, an introduction that introduces all the, the rest of the psalms that are going to come later on in the book of Psalms. Psalm one, you can also say, is a wisdom psalm. We call it the wisdom psalm because wisdom always tells us the difference between how the good people and the righteous people live, how the bad and the wicked people, how they live their lives. The righteous, those you can say are good people, they're the people who love the Lord and they want to serve the Lord. The wicked and the bad people are are all those who hate God and, and refuse, don't want to serve the Lord God. And so Psalm 1 teaches us that all those who serve the Lord God, they will be blessed and they will be happy. But those who refuse to serve the Lord, they're going to be destroyed by God And the very last word of the psalm is that they will perish. They will die forever. And so the Lord always reminds us that there are only two ways in which you can live here on this earth. The one way is that you love the Lord and you want to serve the Lord with your heart. And the other way is that you reject the Lord God and you hate the Lord God and you don't want to serve Him with your heart. Those who who love the Lord they're called righteous. Those who hate God, they're called the wicked. The one way leads to life. The other way leads to to eternal punishment in hell. And so the question for us this afternoon is this one. For everyone, also for you children. Do you love the way of life? Or do you love the way of death? You might say, well, that's pretty easy. But you know... How you choose whether you're going to love life, the way of life or the way of death will show whether you are wise or whether you are foolish. And so this afternoon, I, may, I will proclaim to you God's word under this theme, The Righteous Delight in the Wisdom of God's Law. So our theme, The Righteous Delight in the Wisdom of God's Law. We're going to look at three things. First of all, we see that the righteous separate themselves from the wicked Secondly, we see that the righteous, their life is contrasted with that of the wicked. And in third place, we see that the righteous are blessed while the wicked will perish. The very first words that you find in the book of Psalms are the words, blessed is the man. Those very first words express joy. Because to be blessed means that we are living in a happy situation and we like our situation in our life. But what does it mean to be blessed? Well, perhaps the best way to try to understand it is to keep in mind that the opposite of being blessed is to be cursed. Well, you know that all of mankind... Every single human being lives under the realm of God's almighty power. God is the creator. He he watches over all creation, and, and his power is over all of creation. And under the power of God, there are only two things that are possible. Either you enjoy God's blessing, which means that the Lord God loves us and the Lord God takes care of us, or you live under God's wrath, you live under God's curse. If you live under the curse of God, it means that God will no longer protect your life. It means that He will no longer give you the good things that you need, but His wrath and His judgment will rest upon your life. You know when God's curse is on you that there is no future for your life. The only future is God's eternal anger. But when you live under God's blessing... It means that we're living there under and in God's wonderful love. And when God loves us, that means that he, will, that he will take care of the needs of his children. In God's love, God gives his children many gifts. In his love, God watches over us in a way that he will always protect us from danger. We know that later on in the book of Psalms, there are going to be other psalms in, the, in this book where the psalmist is going to speak about uh, some struggles and hardships uh, that we do face in our life. Just because we live under God's love doesn't mean that everything is going to be wonderful and everything's going to be great in our lives. There are going to be difficulties we have to face. And so some of the psalmists speak about sickness, terrible sickness that they have to deal with. Other psalms talk about famine where they don't know oh, where they're going to get their food from. There are psalms that talk about the psalms being in great trouble. Other psalms speak about the enemies who make life very hard and difficult for God's people. And so when the psalm begins, when the book of Psalms begins with these words, Blessed is the man, that does not mean that in this life God's people will always have it easy and it will always be a wonderful life here on this earth. Or oh, there will be challenges. There are going to be hardships, also for those whom God loves. And therefore, if we say that the righteous and the blessed are are, are happy, happy does not mean that there are no troubles in our lives. But even when we do face the troubles of this life, it means that the righteous man, the righteous woman, the man and a woman who knows that the Lord God is there watching over them, and no matter how difficult our life may be, we fully trust in faith that it is well with our soul. And so at the very beginning of this psalm, we immediately, there is a sense of joy, there is a sense of happiness. For the psalmist indeed says, blessed, happy is the man. I well, we need to ask, so, so who is this person who is blessed? Well, first of all, you notice in verse 1 that, that he talks about those who are not blessed, so that we can have an idea of who are indeed blessed. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he talks about those who are blessed in a positive way. And so in verse 1, and there he says this about those who are not blessed. He says, blessed are those who, do not, those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who do not stand in the way of sinners, who do not sit in the seat of mockers or in the seat of scoffers. So, the psalmist says a person who is not blessed is somebody who does not walk, does not stand, does not sit with those who are wicked. I think I got that backwards. So, those who are blessed are are those who do not walk, stand, or sit with those who are wicked. Why not to stand, to sit, uh, to walk? Those are things that reflect the things that we're doing every day in our, in our life throughout the whole day. Right? When we're busy in, uh, during the day, uh, we're either we're walking somewhere, or we're standing somewhere, or we're sitting somewhere. So it describes these three things, describe the totality of uh, our life. And so the first thing that the psalmist says is, A blessed person will never walk in the counsel of the Wicked. Well, that word counsel refers to the advice uh, that the wicked or the ungodly give uh, to to people. You think of our society in which we are living today. You can say that the counsel, the advice that, that God gives in his law is advice and counsel that is rejected. And those who are wicked and who are ungodly, they will tell people they should walk in a completely different way. They should walk in a way that they know is not pleasing to God. And so the wicked counsel, for example, that it's okay. It's okay to break the promise that you made when you got married to your husband or your wife if you feel it doesn't work anymore or if you don't like your husband or wife anymore. Just walk away. You can divorce her. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's better that you're happy than that you should be in a miserable marriage relationship, they argue. Or they will argue too. They say, well, you know, it's okay to, to abandon your children if you find somebody else that, that, is, that you find better to, to live with. Or they say, it's okay that you abort your child if you don't want the child and if that child might be a burden for you. It's better that you take care of your own happiness than that you have this child. And they say, it's okay that you live a hedonistic way of life in which you pursue all the pleasures of this life After all, you know that you deserve it. See, notice that the wicked always counsel people to walk in a way that is different from the ways of God. And they counsel people to walk in a way in which they are fulfilling their own pleasures and desires of their heart. Secondly, the psalmist says, a blessed person will not stand in the way of sinners. Well, you know the Bible says, often talks about the way in which we live as the way. And so the psalmist says, he says, the way of God is different from the way of sinners. Well, God in his holy law, he reveals the way in which we should live and the way under which we're going to enjoy God's blessings. But the way of sinners, he says, is always against the way of God. They always want to live according to the way that fulfills their own pleasures, that fulfills their own desires. They care more about themselves than they do about God or that they even do about about their own neighbors around them. And in the third place, he says, a blessed person will not sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. Scoffers, people who have no regard at all for the law of God. The right, uh, scoffers or mockers, uh, what do they do? They, they, they ridicule the will of God and, and then they mock all those people who want to walk and want to live according to the ways of the Lord. And so here they are. They, they mock and they ridicule believers who, who serve the Lord God and, and they, stir up, and they sh- stir up others against the righteous and, against, and, and they stir up others to bring insults against the believers. You see that, for example, today very clearly in many of the protests that over the last month or so have been taking place in many of the streets of the United States, in which which we realize that many of those protesters have no regard at all for the views of others, and they simply mock and they ridicule those who disagree with them, and they promote basically many ungodly views and, and values that they want to insist society places also upon God's people. A blessed and a righteous man, the psalmist says, he will not and she will not sit in the seat of such mockers or scoffers. They will keep themselves separated from the wicked who counsel people to go against the will and to go against the very law of God. And then he goes on in verse 2, and then he gives a positive picture, and he says, and so a righteous person is somebody who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he or she meditates day and night. You see here, beloved, how a a righteous person lives in a completely different way from the wicked. Right, the attitude of the wicked, the attitude of sinners and mockers is that they deny the Lord God, they hate God's holy law, and instead they're busy promoting their own ideas of wickedness and perversion. Their mind, you can say, is completely closed to to anything that is good, anything that is upright. And they focus their mind on that which is sinful and that which is against the very will of God. On the other hand, you have the righteous. And who are the righteous? Well, he says the righteous are those who love God. The righteous are people who humbly look up to the Lord God and say, Lord, come, help me. The righteous, well, they love the counsel. They love the wisdom that the Lord God gives to them in his holy law. You see here, beloved, the difference in focus between the wicked and the righteous. The wicked are those who focus on their own selfish desires. They focus on getting what they want and what they think is going to make them happy. And here are the righteous, and the righteous focus on the Lord God. And they focus on what the Lord wants, what the Lord desires from them. And what do they do? The righteous enjoy. They enjoy the blessings. They enjoy the riches of God. And so it seems to me rather ironic, isn't it? Ironic that, that, that the wicked who are focusing on having all of their needs being met and their desires being fulfilled, they're living in uncertainty. They experience a lack of security and a lack of happiness. But the righteous... Those who who focus on God, focus on God's desire to do God's holy will. They all have their desires fulfilled by God in his grace. So here we have the wicked they lose everything and the righteous they will gain everything. Perspective, beloved, that we don't always think enough about. When the psalmist speaks about the delight in the law of God. I think we often, when we read also Psalm 1, I think we often think about the law here, as the English word law indicates, all those rules, all those regulations that God gives in, in the Bible. And so people often also have this idea that a Christian is somebody who, who lives by rules and regulations. Many Christians even have this idea that we are to live by all sorts of rules and and so many have this idea that a Christian is somebody who is busy studying the law. That we're studying God's word like a lawyer would study the law to see how the rules of the law applies in every single situation of our lives. It a pretty heavy burden if every day we had to read the God's word in that way like a lawyer and trying to sort out exactly what God's rules in this situation and that situation. But you know, verse two teaches us something quite different. The word for law in the Hebrew is the word Torah, and I notice in the in your footnote of the ESV translation uh, that it that there's an indication of uh, another way of translating that word law. You see, Torah is a word that means it's a Hebrew word that means direction, instruction, and then also law. That means that the psalmist here is not just talking about the law as those rules and those regulations that God gives to us. He's talking about the the whole of God's holy word. He's talking about the whole Bible as God's Torah, his instruction for us. And so the reason that God's law is such a delight is because the law teaches us about the Lord God and about God's ways for us. Beloved, what you can never, ever do is this. You can never, ever separate God's law from his covenant relationship with you. You see, in his law, the Lord God comes to us. He comes to us with his gospel message. He says, I'm the Lord, your God. Remember also this morning, when we read the law from Deuteronomy chapter 5. There the Lord God came to his people Israel at Mount Sinai. And he says to his people before he even gives a single law. He says, I am the Lord your God who has delivered you from slavery there in the land of Egypt. God comes, a covenant God who loves his people and and his people under his love now receives direction from the Lord how they may live as his people. And today the Lord comes to us with the gospel message in which he says, I am the Lord your God for I have sent my very own son to save you from your sins. So you notice here, beloved, that the very God who saves us is also the God who who instructs us how we are to live as his children. And so the reason that that God's law, that his word is such a delight, is that it teaches us about God's grace. It reminds us about his mercy. And therefore, we eagerly, we, we want to search his word to discover how we might also live for the glory of our God. That's why the psalmist, verse 2, also speaks about meditating on the law day and night. We read together this morning after the, the Ten Commandments, of the, of the, covenant, the words of the covenant. We read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and following. Remember those words there that follow closely after the Ten Commandments. There the parents in Israel were exhorted to impress on their children the law of God. And Moses says you are to do that when, when you sit down, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you get up. You might notice this familiarity with verse 1 of this psalm, right, with that aspect of sitting, standing, and walking. That means that all day long, parents are teaching their children about the ways of the Lord. And that doesn't mean that parents in Israel were expected to read the Bible all day long with their children. Could you imagine that? If also today as parents we had to, all day we had to read the Bible. That's not what Moses was saying. What he's saying is, he says throughout the day, there are all these many moments when as parents, you have the opportunity to teach your children about the ways of the Lord. And as you are busy teaching your children when they are small about the ways of the Lord, when they grow up later on, they don't always need to be asking, they don't always need to be thinking about, oh, what does God want now? No, they already know. They already know what is right. They already know what is wrong. Why? Because the will of God has simply become a part of their life. Because it was something that that was simply part of who they were when they were growing up eh, under their parents. And therefore, a righteous person is somebody who is steeped in the very word of God. Recently at a men's breakfast Men were talking about the value of memorizing Scripture. Uh, one of the comments that was made was there is indeed much, much value in memorizing Scripture for what it does is it helps us to constantly connect our life to God. It makes it possible for us to, to meditate on, on what God is, is teaching us and reminding us of, of what the Lord God has revealed to us. Because we love it as, as believers, we do not want to let the thoughts and the ideas and the philosophy of the sinful world uh, to influence the way that, that we think and the way that we live. But yet, you know, the reality is that, that you leave your house in the morning uh, and you are confronted with the philosophy of the world all around you. Or you come home and you turn on your TV or you look on the Internet and there you are. Stares you in the face, the philosophy and the ideas of the world. And before you know it, those things by almost by osmosis begins to take over your way of thinking and it begins to take over the way that, that you act or even the way that you feel or the way that you think. And that's why the psalmist says it is so important that we meditate on what the Lord God has revealed to us in his law. And then we continually also ask ourselves, so how does the Lord God then speak to me here? How, how does the Lord want me to live? In a way that that I know that I'm walking in his ways and that I will then also be richly blessed in him. And understanding that also becomes clear in the contrast uh, between the righteous and the wicked that is given in verses 3 and 4 of the Psalm. The righteous person, we're told, will be blessed, but not the wicked. Not the wicked who rejects the Lord God, and the difference here is this is that the righteous person depends on the Lord, but the wicked person depends on him or herself. beloved, what happens when you start to depend on on yourself is that you will quickly turn away from the Lord your God. but when you turn when you depend on the Lord God for everything, then your attitude is going to be different, then your attitude is. I look to the Lord for everything in my life. I know that I myself am nothing, but I depend on you, Lord, that you give me what I need in my daily life. Because if I do not depend on the Lord, I know that I will very quickly become completely lost here in this world. But you know, the wicked are blind to it, and they refuse to see it. So first of all, he talks about the righteous are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers we know in the in the arid and dry climate of palestine uh, trees need to be planted very close to a source of water in order that they may thrive if there is no water uh, the tree is going to wither the leaves will fall off uh, and if it lasts too long uh, then the tree will even die But those trees that are planted close to streams of water, they will grow tall and strong. They will be green and vigorous, and they will bear lots of fruit. And so you notice here that the righteous then are compared to such a tree. And so the illustration compares the righteous to trees that are planted by streams of water. Well, here you need to understand that God's living word is to be the source for our life every day. Because it is through the very gospel that the Lord then powerfully works in our hearts and he renews us. It's through his word that he causes his law to be written on our hearts. See, when the Lord God gives us his law, what the law of God does is it begins to expose what lives inside of us. And when the law begins to expose the selfishness that lives in our heart. Then you begin to see that what's inside of us is not that pretty. And then we see also the sinful attitudes that lives in our lives. But you know, God's law does more than that, beloved. let Lord's Day t- or Lord's Day two talks about uh, the law by which we know our sin and our misery. But it does more than just exposing our sins. What it does, it also causes us to fall down on our knees in true repentance. It causes us to cry out to the Lord God for the strength that I need, that I may live now again with this new attitude in my heart, that that evil, that corrupt, that sinful attitude within me, that it might be removed, that in its place there may be this new attitude in which I love the Lord and want to worship and serve Him. And so the righteous, then they cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me to live life anew. Help me not only to see my sin, but help me that I may live as your faithful child. Help me to put away my selfish attitude so that I may serve you and my neighbor with my whole heart. You see, the psalmist says says, that's the kind of life that prospers here on this earth. Oh, you may be poor, you might never get rich in an earthly sense. You might never have lots and lots and lots of money. You might never have a beautiful home as others have. It doesn't matter. Because, he says, those who are righteous, they will be rich spiritually, and they will bear fruit in the service of the Lord. And so you can be self-absorbed, like the wicked. Or you can be a blessing in the lives of others as you put their needs ahead of your very own. You know, putting your own needs and your own desires first, that might make you rich materially, if you're lucky, because not everybody does. But on the other hand, if we are serving the Lord, that will make us rich spiritually, and being rich spiritually will bring great joy into our lives as as we serve others to the glory of our God. But not so the wicked, the psalmist says in verse 4. He says, no, the wicked, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Well, you know what the chaff is. Right? The chaff is, is that useless part of the kernel of grain on the outside uh, that you can't do anything with. You know that when the, the, the wheat was harvested there in Palestine, uh, then what happened was uh, they would throw the, the wheat up into the air uh, and then there would be a, a stream, and they would of course wait until there was a, uh, until there was a breeze, a stiff breeze. And and as you threw up the grain into that stiff breeze, the breeze would blow away uh, the the light chaff, and the kernels of grain would fall down to the ground in front of you. And so the psalmist says, uh, the wicked are like the chaff; they're lightweights, blown away by the wind. Really, he says that the wicked and the evil they have no substance. Oh, they think that they're intelligent. They think that they are wise. They mock believers and they mock God's people as if you fools. How can you ever believe what you believe about God? But he says, but you know what? Those wicked they have no understanding. Remember this morning, we, Psalm 92 verse 6 talks about the senseless or the stupid man does not know how great God's works are or how profound God's thoughts and plans are. Remember we said senseless or stupid, there literally means having the mind or the brain of an animal that's not able to think and reason. All the wicked then have that kind of a brain, the psalmist says, in which they cannot understand the great works of God. They don't understand how profound the plans of God are in this world. All the wicked boast. They boast about their greatness. They boast about the fact that they have rejected the ways of the Lord. They boast about the fact that they have decided that they're going to follow the selfish desires of their own heart. But the psalmist says but they're just lightweights. They're like chaff that is nothing, and that the wind, the puff of a breeze, just blows away. You see, the psalmist here is dismissive of the wicked. For although they may boast, in the end, he says, they will have nothing, nothing to show for their life. But the righteous, the righteous will bear much fruit, and they will be greatly blessed by the Lord. And so, beloved, it should become clear now that there are only two ways to live. And the question is, what is the way that you will choose for your life? Will you choose to live for the Lord? Lord? Or are you going to choose uh, to live for yourself and walk in the counsel and advice of the wicked? And the psalmist says the choice that you make is going to have eternal consequences for your life. Take a look at verses 5 and 6. The psalmist concludes that therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. See, God's people are already in the Old Testament, they already understood, the psalmist understands, that a day of judgment was coming. And he understood that also the choice that you made today, whether you walk in the way of sinners and take delight, or you take delight in the law of God, that choice would determine whether what's going to happen to you on that day of judgment. The psalmist says that the wicked, they will not stand in the judgment. It means that they're going to perish. It means that they will be destroyed eternally. Neither will they stand, he says, in the assembly of the righteous. That means that on the day of judgment, he says, there's going to be this separation. So that all the wicked will be separated from the righteous. He says, it will be like the wheat harvest where the grain is thrown into the air and the chaff is blown away. So on the day of judgment the wicked will be separated from the believers and they will be cast into everlasting condemnation and how The psalm ends with these words the wicked will perish they may boast today they may even be confident in their wickedness and in their sin but the reality is that they're living under the curse of God God's judgment is coming, but because they have the mind of a beast, they cannot comprehend, they cannot even see that that day is coming and approaching quickly. On the other hand, the psalmist says, The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Notice ESV translates that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Let me just, first of all just talk about watches over the way of the righteous, which is the translation of the NIV. If you, understand, if you read this as watches over the way of the righteous, then you can understand that. Do you mean that the Lord is watching over our life and, and, and seeing how we are living our life today? In that sense, you could say he is watching to see whether we are living as his people who serve him in our daily lives. It's like this God who is far away, and he's saying, well, if my children, are they obeying me? If not, then I'm going to punish them, and if they are, then they will be blessed. That's one way of of perhaps understanding his words. But the word watching, as it is true in the NIV, literally means to know, as we have it in the ESV. The word to know here is, has the same sense as a husband or wife knowing one another. And therefore, the idea is not that the Lord is watching our life from afar, there in heaven, to see whether we are matching or we meeting His expectations. There's more to it. No, there is a very intimate relationship already between God and us today. The Lord knows the way Of the righteous. That means, beloved, that he intimately knows who you are. It means that he knows what lives in your heart. He knows you as a husband and wife know each other intimately. He knows your love for him there in your heart. He knows the joy. He knows the gratitude that lives in your heart for the salvation that he has given to you through his son, Jesus Christ. He knows when you delight in his holy law. He knows how you strive each day to live faithfully as his child so that you may glorify his name. Oh, the Lord, yes, he knows our weaknesses. He sees our struggles with our sin. Beloved, he also sees the sorrow there in your heart when you do fall into sin. And he sees also the sincere repentance when it is there in your heart. And he sees it when you strive each day to live faithfully as a child. Oh, the Lord knows our weaknesses. Yes, he knows all of our sins. But beloved, he also knows the sincerity of your heart. He knows whether you truly then also are sorry whether you repent. And you can be sure of this, that he who knows your heart in His grace, will also forgive you. And having forgiven you, He will also shower you with His blessing. And that's why the psalmist can say so confidently, Blessed are the righteous. Yes, Blessed are the righteous, those who love the Lord, who take great delight in the law of God, who meditate on it day and night. For, beloved, it is the way that gives to us great joy. It's the way. It's the only way that will truly make you blessed and make you happy. Amen.